The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Uh, I love that sound. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Winemakers. I'm John Myers with my uh, friend, as always, Sam Katuri. How's it going, John? Uh, a perfect day in Sonoma, made even better by Kathy Huhey, our guest today. Um, Kathy, welcome back to Sonoma. Thank you. It's so good to see you. And uh, you are, it's so interesting, your background. You're an author, and that's how I first met you. Um, your book, Hungry for Wine, uh, Seeing the World Through the Lens, of a wine glass. I thought that was a fascinating book when I read it, and congratulations on that. Thank you. We need we need to do we need to do sort of you know subsequent ones. The follow like, up. The, there's lots of follow ups, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, we called it Hungry for Wine so that there would be follow ups. Mm. Um, Hungry for a Wine series. Sonoma. Hungry for go. Wine. You know, California. Hungry for Wine. France. Hungry for Wine. Italy. Et cetera. Et cetera. I'll take so, that. I'm open a whole to, series. I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> I mean, well, that's you know we talk about this all the time, but that's the one of the great things about wine is really it's such a global community. It's tight knit. You know, we have friends in Bordeaux and, and friends in the Rhone and friends in South Africa and friends in, you know, New Zealand, all over the world. But you could, the more you dig into any of these regions, the more book ideas that you're going to get out of it, right? Totally. But I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it for a really selfish reason as well, which is when we did book events, but, you know, events related uh, to the book, we would invite people to bring a bottle of wine that they were hungry to drink. Okay. And people brought and amazing sure. bottles. Yeah. And so we had amazing bottles. They were just looking for a reason to open that bottle. Well, it's kind of like the old open that bottle night. Open that exactly. bottle night. Yeah, Wall Street, that, uh, New York Times. It no, was, it was Wall Street, Wall Street Journal. Journal. Um, was Dor- it? Dorothy Gator. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And, and her husband, John. Her, we used yeah. to Open that bottle follow night. that when we were in New York, Joan yeah. and I. It was spectacular. Yeah. But I didn't get to finish my introduction with you because you're you're a writer, a columnist for Forbes magazine, Inc. magazine. You're a speaker. You uh, are a co-founder and, and, uh, of... Enolytics, uh, data analysis and, and gathering for the wine industry. Um, you talk about innovation and personalities in, in the wine industry. And, geez, you're a busy woman <laughs> lately. Seriously, you're he- about to head to South Africa yeah. also. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the greatest um, compliments that I think I've heard about, about Enolytics is that it manages to bring uh, the compassion of wine and the narratives of wine together with um, something, sort of the, the innovation and the technology of wine as well. And so it's a really exciting opportunity, I think, to, to merge those two things and sort of bring my, my, the history of writing and the stories that I love to tell and the stories that I love to find um, and also now bring technology into it. Interesting. Really cool. You have to find stories. You have to find angles, don't you? You do, but you have them. Um, I mean, there, there's a lens, and, and yeah. I mean, we, you, cer- you certainly both have a way of, of seeing the wine industry, of seeing the world. Um, mine comes from, uh, comes from because I, I write for Forbes for the most part. I'm, I'm looking for the business and the politics right. um, of it, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm looking for issues. I'm looking for things like, like migrant labor, and immigration, and marijuana, and that impact on the wine industry. Right. And, and race and ethnicity, um, that's something that I've been running more and more about and that I really want to dig further into. But, I mean, certainly you have your own way of looking at it. Well, well you know, the, the data side of it, sorry, sorry John, um, there's a, a banker that we work with um, on vineyard development and winery projects and things like that um, who says, and he came from the Silicon Valley world, and he says that the wine industry is the most complicated business that he's worked with. Mm. And so... I, Maybe dig into analytics a little bit from that angle mm-hmm. that there's so many facets and, um, you know, we probably, uh, from the inside looking out, probably don't do that good a job of mm-hmm. um, assessing all of those different kind of data points that you can put together. So, uh, 
you know, there's, I know there's a lot to talk about, but it may be selfishly. I want to know about the wine industry data because I'm taking notes over here. <laughs> well, there's also actually um, a really exciting kind of uh, thread, Sam, for vineyard analysis, like the data of vineyards mm. and, and who's collecting that. Uh, we have a partner. We have an ecosystem of data partners. And one of them is um, based in Italy, and they're an aerospace company. Hmm. Um, and they do satellite analysis, and they, they, they hone in on vineyards. All right. And it's really, right. it's really, really cool what they, we can, what they can do. So that's one kind of data, right? right. I like to say that we're, we're like the Switzerland for big data. We will work with anybody who has data that's important and helpful to the clients. Okay. And everybody that we, that is part of our ecosystem, um, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a puzzle, and everybody has their own shape of the puzzle. And the right. more pieces that we could put together, the better the picture becomes, right? So the vineyard analysis is one. Consumers is probably the one that we get asked to uh, right. That's, to the, one dig into that's the one I want to know yeah. about. Yeah, that's right. So, um, Sell some wine. <laughs> well, how does your data analysis affect both winemakers and the consumer? Yeah, so it, um, I mean, our, our direct clients are, are the winemakers and the wine businesses. Ultimately, we have in mind the consumer. Ultimately, we have in mind uh, the consumer as the end user, but the consumer is actually where we start as well. So it's a little bit of a cycle. So our, our, we specialize in consumer behavior and consumer sentiment and working with uh, the partners um, who, who collect that data. Consumers are telling us every moment of every day what they want in wine and how they feel about wine. Right. Um, and, they're, and they're recording it digitally. And it's out there. It already exists. It's just up to us to go and pull it in. So, I mean, are you pulling it from, like, the, the wine-specific apps, or is it is it more broad than that? Where are your, yeah. uh, you know, the, the wine, I every mean, wine. sommelier is posting their favorite bottle on Instagram, I mean, right? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing source, actually, and it's one of the projects that we are developing at the moment is using machine learning, using very sophisticated um sort of techniques of analysis to get into Instagram. So it's not, Instagram is really rich when it comes to data. Well, if she just followed Brian Casey, <laughs> I mean, she, you'd learn a lot about wine. The whole world <laughs> likes to drink high acid Chardonnay. Right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Rosés. But the um, consumer data has been a blind spot for the wine industry for so long. Um, and, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it doesn't have to be. The data's already out there um, for us to listen to. Mm. Um, and so our partners are, are some of the biggest um, apps, you know, mobile platforms that are out there. Um, and it also some of the most current um, in terms of e-commerce and DTC. And so each of those, they have, they have a different shape, as I said. Right. You know? And so if you think about the consumer as a puzzle and we can put together all of these different facets, then the, the picture of the consumer becomes more clear. I have so many questions about this, but um, <laughs> go ahead. But when, I think we're, we're, can I'm I some more wine? Yes. Yeah. Can, can so do you want some more yeah. of the? Uh, we're pouring. Um, no. What are you pouring? This is brand new release today. We're <gasps> recording live at Vinyl Sunday. Did we talk about that? Sixteen tacos, Duron. <laughs> yes. The real reason Kathy and her nephew, Bobo. cousin Bobo, are here is because we're about to serve duck confit tacos from um, the fig rig. From, from the fig Sandra rig Bernstein in the backyard, the and we just we grabbed them and threw them into the office in front of a microphone so that we could record a podcast. That's but really, right. they're here for the duck. But ba- uh, Bobo, who's Belgian, came from Belgium for for, all, for the for the duck confit tacos. So I have yeah. I have people here who are from who like. I posted this a month ago, and their their club members they came from Idaho. I thought that was the furthest anybody was coming for the no, party. No, no, no. So I, no. Bobo, Bobo wins. Bobo wins. Bobo wins. <laughs> uh, a duck taco. How about that? That's your prize. Um, so I'm pouring right now our 2017 Val Rossi Homage Blanc, which is uh, 60% or so Roussan, and then equal parts uh, or so uh, Marsan and Grenache Blanc. God, I that's love awesome. It. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. beautiful wine. So Sam, so an example would be, you know, where is where in the world, where in the country, where in the world are consumers interested in this kind of wine? Right. Um, are consumers interested in in Roussan? Right. Um, where are consumers interested in in Chenin Blanc? You know, where is that happening? Right. Where are the hot spots of interest? Huh. So we can we can so tell the you that geographic. Element. Well, because this is something that I've always thought about, and yeah. and I credit Sandra Bernstein, whose fig rig will be here, um, for sort of creating a bubble. In Sonoma Valley, that you know, we we call it the, the island, Sonoma Island, and it takes a lot to get off the island sometimes. And then we also forget that <laughs> things are different off the island; they are on the island. And in Sonoma Valley, there's there's a 
an awareness and probably hunger for Roan varietals mm. because of what Sandra and the girl in the fig have done over the last 21 years and, you know, being yeah. a Roan alone. So are you find, do you find things like that? What are the, the drivers for things like that that sort of push those trends and, you know, wine desires? Yeah, so what's really cool is that we can, um, when, once we have the data, and we're talking about, 11 million data records in any, in any one data set. Right. And our team that is... That sounds like a lot. That sounds, it's, a, it's a lot, but it's already there. And that's just one, that's one data pool from right. one data partner. Like uh -huh. that's how much yeah. is out there. And it's so rich in the sense that we can, we can once it's, it's packaged and visualized, we can sort of segment by varietal. You know, we can segment by zip code right. we, because all the all these 11 million data records come attached with a latitude and a longitude that's right, accurate to right. within like 100 feet. Crazy. So we know we know where they are and we know what they're looking for and we know what they're saying even. Like when somebody enters a tasting note about Marsan right. or Roussan, like we know what words they're using yeah. and that's called natural language processing that we, that we analyze that. But how somebody talks about it in Sonoma, Sam, is different than how somebody talks about it in Palo Alto, right. which is different than Florida, which is different than Atlanta, which is different than Rome. Right. And the cool thing is that you can do it in different languages too, right? right. So what's sort of a, what's a, what's a snapshot like today, this moment, you know, of Marsan around the world. Right. It's feasible. We could do that. That's, that's amazing. And it would be really cool to do yeah, that, no, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I want to dig into that more. But let's... let's um, Zoom out just a little bit and talk about uh, a little bit about your background and then how you get into wine and then how analytics is born from mm. that. Because I, I think I have that mm. order right, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just make sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I've been writing about wine for 13 or 14 years now. Right. And the last five have been uh, for Forbes. Um, my focus, kind of my beat, has always been the business and the politics of wine, specifically uh, technology. Um, and innovation. That was when I saw uh, this, this opportunity for consumer data. Right. I saw all of these platforms, all this technology that was, that was coming, um, but and, it was, and it, it's out there. And the idea for analytics was to pull them all together, right? right? As I said, you know, we're, we're like, we're, we'll work with anybody, like, like Switzerland. And, and the, because like the wine industry tends to be fairly, fairly siloed. So I, I wanted to sort of She break works in that Napa down. and Sonoma. So I wanted to break that down a little bit. We are such a, an enclave of Rhone wines because of Sandra. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it's really interesting. I'm in Chicago. I drank Cab and vodka drinker and <laughs> and um now yeah, they, they, they now kick here, you off the island for that yes they yeah. do <laughs> and, and now i'm a own wine drinker uh do you see other enclaves around the country mm. like sonoma where mm. it's so one-sided i mean we're really a Rhone town and area and you go across over to napa it's all cap mm. Mm. no or mostly yeah. seems yeah yeah i mean you know uh Part of that is, ge you know, geographically, um, what they grow in Napa on that valley floor that's sort of large and homogenous is it's a great play for, place for Cabernet. Uh, you know, in Sonoma, we have so many sort of variable soils and microclimates and a little more access to coastal air that it allows us to play in, you know, the from the northern Rhone into Burgundy um, mm -hmm. and Bordeaux, mm -hmm. you know, as far as varietals go, because yeah. we have a little bit of, of all of that. But so, you know, talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it could be, I mean, that, that's, another, that's another great query uh, that, we could, that we could sort of test uh, with the data. Uh, for example, we know here, in, you know, in, in Sonoma with their own varietals, in Australia, for example, you know, there's a, there's a surge there, you know, for, for good reasons, for, for climate reasons, for terroir reasons, in grapes from the Iberian Peninsula. Hmm. So what's happening there? And is it being reflected in the consumer and what the consumers are interested in? Right. So I think that, that is really, that's a really interesting question. And then um, that's just another example of, of trends that are, that are, that have developed um, Rhone varietals, in addition to the Pinot and Chard that historically have been in Sonoma, right. and the Iberian Peninsula uh, varietals in Australia, right. in addition to the Shiraz and the Chardonnay. Right. So your your data can translate 
Shiraz into Syrah. <laughs> well, I think uh, it is the same. You know, I think it was supposed to be somebody's sloppy writing of yeah. Syrah that became well, Shiraz. No, you, you know, know, Shiraz is a region in Iran where, you know, there's possibly that's where Syrah, you know, developed and came from. And then the French are the ones who said, no, no. No, let's not, change the not name. Not Shiraz. <laughs> no. Sida. <Yeah. laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. I think about tr- wine trends. Uh, not only, you know, you see these small um, small batch growers here and, and manufacturers of wine. They don't want to do a million cases a year like the big guys. They, mm-hmm. you know, very happy carving out a niche. But the trends we're seeing now are things like canned wine and you know i mean at at one time the only packaging innovation was a screw top if it Mm. were in a box it was bad wine Mm. but i can tell you having been in bordeaux and drinking boxed bordeaux it was Mm. not bad wine it was fabulous wine Mm. and uh brian is always drinking chardonnay out of a can and things like that i mean he's Mm. and so these these are the trends that I automatically go to, but there are so many others with the growth of the industry and just changing tastes. It's fascinating. Yeah, and it and it shows up, John. It really does show up in the data. Um, something that we haven't that we haven't done, but I would love to do. And actually, was it was recommended and suggested to me by by a data partner was. Um, uh, several of the partners that we work with have label scans in their apps. Right. So you're, stand, you're standing in a, in, a, in, a, in a shop aisle and you're scanning, you scan the label. So what that does is it generates pixels, which is data. Right. So we could, you know, if we, the technology exists where we could go in there to the, into, into that data and look at the amount of white space compared to red or, or a woman's face with, right. with a bun in her hair. Um, I'm the only one who does that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and how does that wine? How do consumers of that wine rate it right. in relation to the price point? And what are they actually saying about that wine? And how does that compare then to another label that has more white space right. and uses italics rather than script, or has a picture of a maison versus a picture oh, you know, of a vineyard? There's no like no end. I mean, no, it's right. the deepest rabbit hole I've ever heard. <laughs> I <know>? mean. <laughs> People just keep going. Label design, uh, it's, um, it's so hard, first of all, to just come up with a name that hasn't been taken. And then to... I'm really good at names. Okay, well... Hungry for wine, analytics, right. you know. Well, you you're know. you're a writer. It's going to cost you, though. It's going to cost you. <laughs> I yeah. got uh, yeah. a cellar full of this, <laughs> this white rum blend. Trade. Um, <laughs> but th- there's so much that goes into making the wine, and so often the label is kind of a second thought. Or afterthought, um, and there's always these, you know, there's these kind of adages, whether or not they're true, that you can't have too much black on your label; it gets lost on the shelf. But then, you know, most wine that I care about, you're not finding on a store shelf anyway. Right. Um, so that I mean, that's we could you could probably have a whole other data company just for packaging and label design. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely something. Um, I mean, I I would love I would love to do that story. But I, I think Sam, the, the the bigger and maybe maybe the more important question here is how you as a as a small producer, right. how you translate what what you do, right, um, into, and and how you communicate about it to consumers in a way that they will understand, yeah. right? Yeah. So so maybe the the data f- a, around your wine is smaller. You no, know, probably, you know, probably is. Right. I mean, there's less opportunity for data points. Exactly. And you know, there's only a thousand cases or whatever. Right. Exactly. 12,000 12, bottles. And you're drunk. And we drink half of In-house consumption, yes. It's labeled as that. But, but, but let's, go, let's go and see, you know, how consumers are, are behaving and what are the sentiments around that. Yeah. And are they, are they caring about the packaging? Are they even mentioning the packaging? Maybe they don't even care. Maybe they care about what, Phil has, what Phil's latest tweet was. Right. Or maybe they care... Let me try and keep Phil off of Twitter. <laughs> 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 or maybe, maybe they care about you know, other things. But, but that tells you something, no. right? And I know that you're already listening well to your consumers. I, I, I know that you are. No. So, but, so then maybe we can sort of expand it out a little bit and say, you know, right. what about what if we gathered a whole bunch of producers like you, Sam, like like you, and and we we kind of pulled the resources, like your thousand cases and the right. consumers who follow you, and a neighbor's thousand cases and their consumers, and then we kind of start to build a little bit of a little bit of traction there, right? right? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, um, my opportunity for feedback from my consumers and customers and, you know, friends and members or whatever is, is basically on a one-to-one basis, mm. um, which, I, you know, as somebody who is a, thinks of himself as a people person, um, that's, that's great. I, you know, I, I, that's what I want. I want to be able to have that conversation on a face-to-face you know, but there's only so many of me and mm-hmm. so many hours in the day. And, mm. you know, as things expand and grow, you know, I'm here in the tasting room less and less. Um, so that would be, you know, crazy valuable to be. A, and, and you know, the people who are also making small, you know, small lot kind of wineries, we don't have time to talk to each other about yeah. this, let alone, yeah. you know, compare anything. Yeah. Um, One of the cool things that I'm really excited about, I mentioned, is um, it's this machine learning around Instagram. So, um, and I, I love this because Instagram is so rich with both visuals and text. Um, so we can apply the tools of machine learning, which comes from, you know, not the wine industry at all. So, of course, this is sort of an, an exterior kind of another wheelhouse that we're that we're bringing to the wine to the wine industry and that kind of analysis but when somebody when somebody posts on instagram about your wine what else is in is in the picture where are they like are they on a rooftop or do they have balloons in there are they wearing or are they wearing city rural um exactly everything exactly so so machine learning can help us analyze that and so then you know more about the context that people are part of when they're consuming and enjoying your wine or wines like yours. Right. So I think that that is a cool idea and a cool thing and to be able to sort of dive into. I mean, it's the, it's the wines like mine that almost is more interesting to me because, I, you know, uh, obviously I don't see every bottle that's consumed, but our customer base is still intimate enough that... Um, you know, there was a point where I like would go through my wine club mem- list and I knew every single person and knew their face and mm. what their dog's name was and stuff like that. It's, it's not like that anymore, but um, you know, the social media side it's is still is, close, is, dog. It's, you're, it's you're close. close where, I, I haven't seen the dog yet. Where is the dog? Oh, the, do- oh, the dog went, uh, we, we sent Curry. Oh, Curry, the last time we had Curry podcasting, uh, <laughs> no. we, we had a few technical glitches. <laughs> he walked over the power cords oh, no. and shut off our show completely with Mike Benziger. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> yeah. so it was Curry pretty is Curry is, uh, oh. yeah, we keep Curry away from the, the equipment. Um, he's, he's almost as dangerous with it as we are. So, um, but, you know, I, I have this opportunity to interact with my customers on, on social media. And they, you know, they tag me. They tag 16600 on, on Instagram. Um, but, and, and, you know, I try and keep up with that and reply or whatever. And, you know, to some extent I still can. But, um it's everybody else's that I don't, I don't have time to, mm. you know, there was a point where, you know, business was slow and I'd go through like geotags at other wineries and just like everything and try and like, you know, poach customers that way. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I have things to do. I got a dog to take, take care of. Exactly. A, and the, how are you dealing with the information overload? I mean, I turn mm. on my uh, Instagram and Twitter. There's almost too much to go through mm. on one or the other, let alone the three that I use, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Right. Um, right. It's, I mean, I don't know how you, you mine all that data. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, the answer is that I don't. <laughs> I, I, leave it, I leave it to the professionals. Um, I, I'm not a data person. I'm a, I'm a communicator. Um, I'm a journalist by training. This is what I do. Um, but the strength and the ace up our, ace up our sleeve for analytics, absolutely, is is our data team. And I don't know if you I don't know if you see them, but they're behind me. Um, they are sort there of supporting. They're supporting you. everything everything that that I talk about and everything that I do. So they are the professionals, and they are uh, between them have more than fifty years of experience working with data. So they know. They know the tools, and they're actually coming from outside the wine industry, as I mentioned. That's a so, positive. It really is. Yeah. And they bring in new eyes. That's it. New ears. New eyes and a new mm-hmm. way to see yep. it and a new... Um, Whole new thought process, too. New tools, too. Yeah. new thought process. You're, you're right. You're right. So do you get involved now with trends like organic wines mm. and uh, that kind of thing at all? Uh, do you see that trending now? It's something that we can that we can track. It's definitely something using historical data, especially like going the past going you know the past three to five to eight years. You know what have been the trends? Where are the hot spots of interest for that? Um, you know, F- uh, Phil has been growing organic grapes for f- 
40 some years. 1978. O- overnight success after 40 years. That's right. You know? That's right. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Known around Fine the world. That's right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, is, there, is there red wine? There is red wine. So um, we, this is uh, 2000. So we're pouring some library wines today. So this is 2008 Dos Limones Syrah. Um, this is the first time we had the Stanley Mouse art on the label. Um, and it's interesting because you still have a foil capsule, and now you I don't. Have, I have foil on there. I don't have the gold border or any like There's fancy label. You know, yeah. um, I, I think we barely remembered to put the web address on the back. <laughs> um, tell know. me, wait, tell me about Stanley and the art. So Stanley Mouse um, is sort of most famous as a poster artist from San Francisco in the '60s. Uh, did. Grateful Dead, Skull and Roses, Journey, Scarab album covers, Steve Miller Band, Running Horse. Uh, if you, if if anybody out there had an opportunity to go to the DeYoung Museum uh, Summer of Love exhibit last summer, the mm. 50th anniversary, mm. San Francisco, basically there was a Stanley Mouse nameplate on every on every, every yeah. wall, everywhere you turned. Mm. Um, sort of the mm. you know is the the Toulouse Lautrec of of San Francisco. Um, you know, art scene in the in the sixties, mm-hmm. super prolific still, and we'll uh, be here today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he, wow, he can't, oh. he can't, eating, he can't, eating oh, that tacos. Canceled. Oh, he no. canceled. He, he's he's seventy seven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, does does a new painting every day, but uh, he he runs out of energy every once in a while. So this morning he texted me and said he wasn't going to make it, unfortunately. But he is here often. Uh, he's a he's a family friend. Um, so when we needed a label. Uh, around here, every once in a while, you see our first attempts at a label, which were um, a failed, good idea, bad execution. Um, so in 2011 uh, was when I came back to the family business. Um, we went to Stanley and said, look, we, we need a new label. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of figured he would go somewhere toward, you know, something psychedelic, you know, kind of that, that background. And he had this painting um, he calls Left Bank. Mm. Um, and mm. it's a painting a, a portrait of a woman named Lindsay Troy, who's in a two-girl, very hard-charging rock band called Deep Valley out of Los Angeles. Um, so her stage persona is nothing like the sort of pensive young woman on the label. She's well, there's a lot of like torn jeans and leopard print and you know power that's, chords that's on cool. the guitar. Yeah, no, she's she's she's, she's a rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he he said I, I have this painting. Um, put the label together for us, and nice. um, which now hangs nice. in, so, yeah, the, in in the other room. In, in the it's tasting in house. it's in the tasting house. I finally sold enough wine that my dad <laughs> would let me buy the painting. <laughs> um, you know, it, I could have gotten a fairly decent used car, or I got the painting. <laughs> no, I like uh, the painting more than the yeah. The painting <laughs> the painting will last longer. I, I mean, really, the painting is. Um, I feel like what I really want out of the painting is one day. The museum that it hangs in just says on loan from the collection of Sam of S. S. Kateri. <laughs> and, you know, what I like about that is it'll give the impression that the collection of S. Kateri is more than just one painting. Um, but see, that, that's, that's the coolest. That's so cool, Sam, because, I mean, with the, going back to, the, to what you started with, John, with the hungry for wine idea, like, I'm hungry for that idea. Right. Like, I'm hungry for that story. Yeah. Right? And I feel like everything that matters to us, like, out there in the world... Everything that matters to us, we can find in a glass of wine. Right. Wow. What matters to us? Everything that matters to us in the world, we can find in a glass of wine. I'm. That's s- another T-shirt. S- stolen. That line. Yeah, consider that line you. stolen, Kathy. <laughs> right. You're gonna find that. That's the one you get for free from the writer. Right. <laughs> it, you know what? So what matters? Clearly, you know your relationship and your family's relationship with him matters, right? right? right. And and you're bringing it, and you're bringing it here, and that that resonates. Yes, please. More Syrah from Lava. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it resonates. And that is, you know, that's where it comes, it comes together, I think. And my, my, my background and just the experience and, and how I started and how I personally started in the wine industry was yep. looking for those stories. You yeah. Know? There's so much wine out there um, that you have to have a story to, to break out of the clutter. There has to be, and for me, I wouldn't know how to sell wine unless I, we had this, you know, really authentic family story that kind of ties it all in. I, you know, what fascinates me more than anything um, are the corporate brands that that create the story, and you know, it's whether or not it's true doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you know, it has some 
some magic, something Sam. some some fiction or nonfiction behind it, probably a blend of the two, you know, to to sort of shield what is really going on. Um, but that that fast, I don't, I have no idea how to sell one <laughs> other than what I, what I got. But what's really what I what I find is really engaging about about that is that your narrative and your if we were to kind of plot it out, like plot out the narrative of you and right. and your family. And then kind of mirror it and plot out the narrative of some of these really successful commercial brands. Right. The narratives follow the same sort of thing. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Like, and there are people who do this, like, right. you know, colleagues and friends and other writers who, who really go into, into, into that at a really deep level. What makes for a compelling story? It's not all sort of, you know, roses. It's, right. not, it's not all rosy. Like, you, you have a bad year sometimes yeah and please be honest with me about it right please. last year comes to mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah Tell me, so, so i mean almost I wanna, the anniversary week too yeah i want to i want to i want to know about that and actually what i'm just yesterday uh was the sonoma sonoma wine auction that raised more than five and a half million dollars that's um, phenomenal mm-hmm. yeah we love it and the what they call the, the paddle race, which was a lot dedicated to a specific theme, and it changes year to year. In the past few years, it's been childhood literacy um, efforts within within Sonoma County. Uh, this year, because we're almost at the year anniversary of the fires, and that has been such a that was one of the ways that we connected again, Sam, was right. because you were yeah. you were here, you yeah. were on the ground, you were reporting. I trusted you. Right. I trusted what you were saying, yeah. and so from from I don't I don't live here. So from far away, I'm looking for authentic sources, and you, frankly, are one of them. Thank you. And Kathy, so, you'll have to uh, um, follow up with the Sonoma Valley Museum yeah. of Art, okay? Because they're doing a, starting on the 29th. They're doing a whole segment or a whole show on paintings and um, and po- writings, po- right? poetry and writings and things like that that I recorded um, for the museum. And Sam's was the first one. Fires, fucking everywhere. Fucking everywhere. And it was this amazing, you know, uh, 10 days of Instagram and Facebook postings on the fire. I was listening to Sam too. Yeah. You weren't the yeah. only one. I mean, he, yeah. he was yeah. the source. And, right. and I know our radio station stayed on, was also a good source. But Sam was the one that came off as the most credible. And to hear his recounting of that and to and to read some of the poetry and prose written by sixth graders about mm. the fire or mm. older people and people who lost their homes people who didn't what i grabbed at 2 a.m that's yeah. the poem that what i grabbed at 2 a.m tell me what is that one it's a, a poet that. a poem written i don't i don't remember his name a local poet who wrote about you know what he grabbed from his house as the fire was consuming consuming <laughs> marching into you know um so that you know, as far as community galvanizing events, um, you know, there's n- nothing yeah. like what we went through. And it came out yeah. with Sonoma Strong. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, it's... And also, also yesterday at the auction, there was $5.7 million raised overall in that one 20-minute auction lot that raised the paddle, which was specifically dedicated, um, and the proceeds would go toward affordable housing and basically the rebuilding yeah. of so many of the 11,000 people who are still homeless, like technically considered homeless in Sonoma. Right. 2.5 million specifically and only for that. Wow. I mean, it, it is, it's amazing. And as a, again, as an outsider, I was like, Sonoma has been giving and giving and giving so much. Like, is right. the, have we reached the threshold here? Like, can they, can they still keep giving? And the answer is yes. You know, right. $2.5 million in about 20 minutes. Well, the amazing thing, and, and we talked about this right after the fire, John, is, you know, there, um, the global nature and community of, of the wine world and both production, you know, producing side and, and consuming side um, you know, I, I wouldn't know how, you know, a community like Reading that doesn't have a product that is so identifiable with the location is going to recover from their fires this summer that, you know, we have this, this outreach product that everybody loves and everybody is, is connected to in some way that, um, is, is how we've been able to recover, you know, there's obviously there's still a long way to go, but, you know, within that, even that first month, um, the wine industry. Um, it was the rally point, right? Put this community in two, three counties on its back, you know, in a way that 
I don't know. I don't know how places that don't have that would ever have a chance. Well, what's really and um, this is really exciting moving forward because the the world the world is watching. The world is still watching Sonoma yeah. and how and how you are recovering from this. Next month, I've been invited to keynote a talk called "The Business of Wine and Food Tourism," and they asked me to come and talk about two things. The first thing was how can we use data to improve wine tourism and food tourism, in you know, in general and in South Africa. The second one was what are the learnings that we can bring from California and specifically Sonoma to South Africa hmm. to help us recover? I don't know if you know. And or this is a drought that they're so having right now. Their their water shortage. Okay. Um, that they that they are dealing with. Permanent, I guess. And yeah, Seems so it, me, huh? it it didn't get as bad as they feared, um, but it became it became a a communications really challenge uh, because all the well, very well-intentioned uh, public planning and government officials came up with this, they call it day zero. If the water shortage didn't, didn't improve, um, day zero would come, and these were the things that we had to do uh, to survive um, if South Africa got, if the situation got that far. It didn't get that far, but the point, but the fact that they released all this information set off kind of a... People are calling. calling. They want. They They're want. Calling. They want to. They want to find out about it. They want to find out about it. But they, um, the public panicked and canceled tourist reservations. Canceled yep. coming in the first place. So how is South Africa recovering? How is Sonoma recovering? So the second thing they want me to come and talk about is exactly this: How is Sonoma recovering economically from the disaster of the fires? Right. From a tourism point of view. And what's the data telling us about that? What do you think on that, Sam? I mean, from a, from my point of view, we uh, it certainly looks busy yeah. and seems. Um, uh, I mean, I I, th I know there was a drop. There's there. It's a, kind of a mixed bag. Um, you know, personally, I, you know, we definitely had a slump, and you know, being closed for three weeks and December, January, really quiet. But and uh, part of it is the the notoriety that I got from those Facebook posts during the fire, I think helped us kind of recover in a way. But I, I think across the board, um, people are talking about this summer not has, has not been what they were expecting as far as numbers go and sales and the whole deal. Um, so it's, it's a mixed bag and um, in lots of ways, I think uh, it, you know, it's sort of, an individual kind of deal where some wineries and some restaurants and hotels um, did a better job of, of getting back those customers than others did. Um, those and, that have a real reason to exist. I mean, I, I think that that's, that's part of it. Um, and, you know, I think those that do a better job of interacting with and, and con connecting with their, their visitors and their consumers... Um, as, I, as I've been talking with people, um, and this, this is why I'm in Sonoma. I'm here for the auction, which was yesterday, and also for and the... And the tacos. And, and the tacos! Yeah. The ta I mean, icing on the cake. The, and then also the uh, Venexpo Explorer program in Sonoma. Okay. Sonoma is the first destination outside of Europe that they're doing this, which is, I think, in itself really significant. Yeah. So I've been, I've been going around and listening and, and, and asking people you know, how, this, this question. How is Sonoma recovering? How, how are you doing? And one of the interesting uh, things that learnings that I want to take to South Africa and share from Sonoma is how people are, how wineries here are are getting back over the hump, are getting sort of back on the horse, so to speak. Yeah. And um, we we're talking about social media, uh, Dry Creek Vineyard um, and their their DTC program. They mentioned uh, that one of the things they're doing is using stories on Instagram to show literally today, because stories have to be within the last 24 hours, right. today, this is how the sky looks. Look, it's blue. Right, interesting. There's no clouds. Right. Like, they're even advising to not post pictures of the fog because it looks too much like smoke. <laughs> too much like smoke. Right? I mean, I, that's a, it's a triggering event sometimes when you see fog billowing in the way that it does, and you're like, I've had that moment where you're like high, it comes back. high winds. Yeah. People freak out. Yeah. You, if you smell a hint of smoke, well, there was a controlled burn the other day. Right, it was really concerning people. I mean, you smell it, it's like, oh my god, it was last year, right now. Yeah. You know, we had somebody um, connect with us uh, about the podcast and how we had spent the year talking about how great the summer was and how perfect the harvest was going, and then all of a sudden, how eerie it was that. Holy shit, 
were on fire everywhere. And, you know, so, I mean, when our listeners noticed it and fed it back to us, that's when we started paying attention, too. Well, I think, John, too, one of the things and, and the, um, the very poignant things that I've also been hearing since I've been here the past couple of days is um, the different waves of post-event stress. Mm. When yeah. you when when it happens and you're in the moment, there's a little bit of adrenaline that kicks in, right? I mean, there's the shock of what's happened, and you maybe the shock that you've just lost your home, and then there's staying active and reporting and giving accurate information and accurate news about what's going on and the and the actual you know reporting from the ground, and then you get into the recovery stage. And I've been talking to people who are who are rebuilding their homes. And people who are not rebuilding their homes right. because it's too it's too charged it's too emotionally charged to do that. But then when they start seeing those who who choose to when they start seeing the three D renderings from architects and they look at it and they're like, I get it, but that's not that's not my house, right? right? It's not my house. And but then it's also is pointed out to me as well that every single person has had a different experience. There's no generalizing about about the reaction. I have a very good friend, Carol Shelton, um, who's a Zen um, yeah. uh, winemaker, and she lost her home. And I didn't know that. It was yeah. interesting to see her post day before yesterday, harvest finishing her harvest and starting to build her new home, replace her old home. They just laid the foundation this week, and so you know, my comment was, you know, there's a harvest and a and a decline or you know, the end of the season, but growth in what you're redoing with your house. And she liked it a lot, you know. I mean, and we, there are stages of grief you have to go through. You know, there's this final acceptance after the depression and then a resurgence, and then you start to grow again. So, you know, even though it's not, yeah, it's, well, not, it's not the same house, but you're back. It's you, also a nonlinear um, pathway. Because you can have that acceptance moment, and then the way the sun sets highlights a part of the mountain that you'd forgotten had burned to the ground, or or you know whatever the moment is, um, you know the wind picks up out of the north, and you're back in one of those stages of grief that you thought you'd gotten through. Um, and I know, you know, we're like we said, we're a, a week, two weeks away from. The anniversary right now, and I think that those um, experience and moments are going to be, you know, f more frequent for for us around here um, as we as we get to that. And you know, the fact is that north wind that started all of this. Um, you know, obviously the we don't Diablo want it. At, we don't we don't want it to be hurricane force, but we need those winds. Those winds are what mm. is the final push to to ripen the mountain cabernets and mm -hmm. grenache and things like that mm. you know that dry air um so it, it it's part of our annual you know it's what happens in it's, october it's and, the nature and, around, uh, here. around here um so okay. there's there's a lot of that and i think that there's um it's important just as just as every glass and and every sip and every bottle is different every every person who ha who lived through it is going to have a different experience of of the fires themselves, but also the recovery. You are digging into an area that must just be absolutely fascinating to you. It is, and I really, I really believe that um, the psychology of this um, is just is endless. Yeah. And I and there, I think that it is an, an important moment of compassion uh, to to just remind ourselves of that. Um, but it also is, um, and I don't know if y'all know this, but um, my friend and colleague Rebecca Hopkins. Uh, earlier this year started launched a project called a balanced glass which I is heard about, about that yes which is mm -hmm. about uh, staying staying well wellness within the wine industry and I, I contribute um, to that on a bi-weekly basis so Beck has started and really touched a nerve I think within the industry um, about about wellness in general self-care self-care yeah. self-compassion uh, mental health uh, I wrote about self-care today because this is one of the things that I really love to do. This is, for me, very rewarding. Doing a podcast, mm. meeting fr old friends, new friends, and being involved in the wine industry. For, I mean, for me, 
this is a wonderful day and very <laughs> self reaffirming, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You know, so yeah, my self care is, is doing the podcast and being with friends. I love it. it is. I love it. Um, I love it. And, and everybody has their own way of dealing with that, of yeah. course. Mm. Every, every week, um, it was Beck's brain stroke, brilliant brain stroke, to, um, to include a member of the tribe. Um, so somebody within the industry, she profiles. So we have, you know, content newsletter um, every every Friday. Um, I need to get con- on this list. You do, you're that. not already? I, don't, I, I can't believe I, I don't think I'm already. getting this email. All right. Oh, it'll cost you a duck taco. I'll, I'll sign you up, Sam. It'll cost Deal. you a duck taco. Okay. Deal. All right. So, um, so you best get a bottle of this 08 Syrah too before it goes. I'm somehow I just, lo- I'm low here. I'm I, low. I, uh, there you go. I, I took a bottle home already, and I'm just enjoying it. This is phenomenal. It's, pretty, it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Sam. 2008, another smoky year in California, um, mm. but in when when you're not right next to the fires, um, you get a little bit of that, and it helps remind us tell the stories 2008 was big fires in i think the big sur area and smoke all over the state um so it's it's there it's always a part of you know our life here um and that's you know we we tell our stories and we remember our stories in the wine business um yeah because we put our we put that's why we put dates on the bottle yeah and we want we want to talk about what 2008 was 2017 the other wine that i poured we picked these grapes uh Right after the 115 degree heat spike in, at, at <laughs> yeah. Labor Day weekend, which if the fires didn't start, would have been the story that we'd still be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. before the, we picked it before the fires, so we get to yeah. put it in bottle, you know. Yeah. Well, John, I think that the um, that the idea of, of self care um, comes through in the A Balanced Glass newsletters because every week we feature a member of the tribe, quote unquote, someone in the industry who is willing to to share um, their own their own practice for how they how they take care of themselves and how they stay healthy when it's when wine and alcohol is so much a part of our lives. Well, staying healthy, you have you know physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. over the year. Uh, this one has been a mental recovery, yeah. you know, versus any, anything physical, taking care of yourself, you know. Well, you, you just had to. It's really interesting. We stood on Sonoma Mountain two weeks ago with Mike Benziker, and yet last year in October, the fires were coming right at his place, and you could stand right in his beautiful organic garden, but... It, biodynamic. Biodynamic, biodynamic and, garden. And, um, and, and imagine what it was like, but you can't really feel what it was like i wasn't there next to mike you know i can't even imagine what it was like or or the fire stopping at your back door i mean i'm sitting here thinking about self-care and wellness knowing that i worked all weekend i don't remember the last day i played golf a couple weeks ago and tomorrow morning i'm going to be picking grapes at 6 a.m and tuesday morning like it's um you know this is the the crush and I, I think it's important to remember, and I, I think you're reminding me right now that um, we're not just crushing grapes. We're, we're basically we're crushing ourselves. <laughs> we're yeah. crushing our will to carry on. Yeah. And we have to, yeah. to to balance that with yeah. the fact that you know this is the most important time of the year. Um, right. You know, we only get to do this once a year. We're not making beer, distilling vodka, where you can you know do a new batch every week. Mm-hmm. This is this is it. Um, but yeah. you also can't let that drive you too crazy yeah and and, and it's cyclical right like the, 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 this is a crush and this yeah. is you know this is kind of a, this is your your high season so to speak um but i just uh yesterday posted on social media when i when i travel um yoga mm. is one of the ways and i had a teacher once in vancouver uh say that doing yoga is like a love letter of apology to your body mm. And it is. How cool is that? Nice. And you, one. and you, it is. And I, I wish that I could love remember this. Love letter to your body. Uh, of apology. Of apology. Of apology. Right. A love letter of apology oh, yeah. to your body. It also reminds you of all the things that you did that <laughs> felt good at the time, <laughs> and they're now causing you pain. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I know, I know this is this is what you mean. But the right. example that I used right. was when I caught my my heel on a, on a sidewalk, and it sort of twisted, and then like you know, my psoas muscle was hurting. Yeah, exactly. I, I know that's exactly what you mean. Yeah. In terms of you know yeah. self care, but yeah. So so yoga for for me is one of the ways. I well, now that you mentioned it, we do. My dad brings in a yoga teacher of to our office. Does. Of course uh, he does. Twice a week, and we have <laughs> our winemakers in there. And Robert Kamen shows up when he's not on a yacht in Spain. And 
members of our management team. And, uh, you know, I, I believe strongly that um, in order to grow healthy, balanced vines, you have to have healthy, balanced farmers. Um, you're, you're the yeah. tribe. You're the yeah. tribe. You're, you're, the tribe. you're the tribe, too. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we are because we do things like this. Phil's, yeah. Phil's part of the tribe. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was a, it was a yoga intervention for Phil because he was <laughs> you know, had these problems with his feet and his legs, and yeah. so we started doing company yoga so we could get him into it. Uh, and then now he's like, "Well, we're going to do this another day of the week," and that was that was like five years ago. Uh, and we're like, "All right, well, we're going to do this right until harvest starts, and then we're going to stop because it's too crazy." What we realized was. This you was, need it most. when we need it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was like summertime. Yeah, it's easy to do yoga during the summer when you're like, yeah, yeah, it's great. And then you're like, oh man, now I now we need it. You it's know? when it's when it's you don't have time for it that you need it the most. Yeah. But my, my teacher says that if you are if you're breathing and you're paying close attention to your breath, you're doing yoga. Mm. I've been doing yoga for more than twenty years. Yeah. I have to stop myself all the time and make sure I am breathing. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> you know, it's just it's like. Take a deep breath, you know, whether it's uh, hustling here or going there or whatever, you know, since uh, Joan broke her uh, ankle and leg, it's been real hard and heavy, you know, fast things happening. And I have to stop and breathe and just slow it down, start counting my breaths. It's the only way I can go to sleep at night, too. It's, you know, a, it's an element. Breathing yeah. in and out. Yeah. It's, um, it's another element of self-care. And it's also an element of self-compassion. And when you do that, you're much more likely to give that to someone else. Mm. I like that. Yeah. She's really got a beat on it. You are really so interesting to talk to. I'm sorry we don't have more time today either. But we have tacos to eat. <laughs> tacos to eat. Right. We have an agenda. We have an agenda. Duck comfy tacos to. are self-care. <laughs> <laughs> For Bavo especially. Yeah. <laughs> Bavo, would you like to... Uh, what do you have to say for yourself you gotta get over here and at least uh, chat with us for a second put those headphones on get right in the microphone and say hello to everybody yeah hello I'm Bavo Um, this was amazing I learned so much during this talk I'm yeah I'm just a consumer like I don't have a lot of knowledge about the industry but learning about labels learning about learning a little bit more about the fires because I knew about the fires, but it was kind of, it happened for me and I was in the other other side of the country, right. not really involved in it. Uh, it was really, really interesting. Also what you said about like, do consumers care about labels? It's one of the first things I look at mm. when I go to a shop and mm-hmm. I buy a bottle of Label wine. and then price, right? Yeah. yeah, label mm. price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But now, but now that you that you've heard and that you know more about the narrative and sort of the the engagement point, mm-hmm. you know, like that that shifts some things, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but like you said, label and price. But the label is more important to me than the price. Oh, good. Well, I have some stuff to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there are price points, yes, and you have to pay attention to them. I can't drink. A $60 bottle of wine every night. So I have my, you know, my Spanish Grenache swill, as my wife calls it, you know, which is the first <laughs> bottle. Joe. Then, then um, she always wants to know what we're having with dinner. So I pull out something nice, you know. So you always have to satisfy both sides of your taste. You yeah, know? it's true. But if you're within that $5 range, for example, right. you're picking the nice label. Yeah. You don't really care, like, if it's within that 5 Dollar range. I'm picking the one with the nice label. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. Well, it says something Thank you. about how they yeah. uh, they take care of their own brand. That's yeah. the idea, you know. Mm. So, you know, brand management is tough. I mean, uh, look at how Xerox lost the brand. I mean, they don't own copying anymore. It used to be making Xerox of this. Now it's, mm. that's gone. Mm. How about Kleenex? You know, I mean, Kleenex barely owns a. a, a Part mm. of the market anymore in tissues. Mm. All these things that were huge at one time have gone away yeah. just by ignoring the brand. Yeah, it also tells you a little about a little bit more about the thought they put into the wine. And yes, so it on, does. So. so can I can I can I ask you can yep. I ask you a question that I've been dying to ask you? So so the next time that that I do a hungry for wine book, I want to come and and say you know bring a bottle that you're hungry to drink. Which bottle are you going to bring? <sighs> I'm going to bring a Chen Blue. 
right, John. Oh, I yeah. We didn't talk about Nicole or the fine the fine minds for fine wine conference, but it's fabulous. Beautiful. It's fabulous. That's to date, we're now in podcast seventy. And I haven't listened back to this one, but it'll probably be my second favorite. I say that to everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. the Nicole Roulet interview is like I have a hard time listening back, especially when I'm on there. It's and like it's kind of weird to hear your own voice driving in the car, and you're like, wait now. Or it drowns out the voice in my head sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it was such a fascinating conversation. And um, so I don't know if you haven't listened to that one. Go, but we posted it in May or so, I think. Yeah, uh, episode it was twenty it was episodes ago, something yeah. like that. Um, still, such such a important per- voice in our industry. Um, and, what, and what she's trying yeah. to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that would be, she, you'd bring a bottle of her wine. Well, that's, that's, what, that's, my that's what you bring. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh man. What are we eating? <laughs> We're hungry for food too. Are we? I, I, I mean, I have so many, I, you know, I have a cellar full of bottles that I'm waiting for that perfect moment. I, you know, I, um, the one that comes to my mind always is, uh, Julian Burroughs pure, um, the you know hundred point hundred percent old vine Grenache from Chateau Neuf to Pop, nice. um, but then you know there's like uh, mm. the ninety three Katuri Zinfandel that my uncle made from my parents' house that uh, was Gourmet Magazine's Wine of the Year. There's still a couple bottles of that, and it has a, a crayon drawing on the label that my brother did at <laughs> age five. Uh, so that one's probably on the list too. That's awesome. Um, Kathy, and you what know, would you bring? 64 Barolo, just yeah. for the fuck of it. Yeah, just, just because. <laughs> yeah, just because. Just what would because. you bring as your bottle? Yeah, well, you know, it's um, whenever, I, whenever I'm asked, and for some reason I get this question a lot, is what's my favorite wine? I always say the wine that's in, the one that's in my glass, yeah. you know, the wine that I'm drinking so, right now. So, your favorite 2008 <laughs> Dos <Limones laughs> Syrah. <laughs> that's what I'm going to bring okay. when I'm hungry for wine. There good, we go. good answer. Yeah. It's not a bad bottle to, I, to bring, man. I'm serious. You I know, mean, I pulled these out kind of uh, with the intent of pouring it today as sort of one of the library wines at Tacos Duran, I'm really happy with the way this day. You never oh, know. man. You never know. 2008, I, I mean, 2008, I was still in Reno, Nevada, uh, working in a, at a lobbying firm. Uh, this was before I'd come back and, you know, built the 16600 brand. It didn't have a name. It didn't have a label. What were uh, you lobbying then, Stan, uh, Sam? <laughs> well, some things I'm proud of and some things I'm not proud of, John. Uh, but... Uh, it's pretty. It's you know amazing to come back and taste these wines. I haven't opened this. It's 2018 right now, so I probably haven't opened one of these since 2011 or 12. Um, so I've got mine sitting right over I know, the corner there. I was making sure. I heard you. You bought it, and I hope. I was hoping you didn't put it in your car before we no. started. Okay, yep, it's right here. <laughs> okay, thank God. It's I'll getting t- warm. Out I'll there. take it out. It's getting. Uh, it's it's a. It's getting. Like the perfect temperature for a glass of homage blanc and a duck confit taco. I think so. I think so. We're too. almost there. We're so time. close. It We're is. so close. Hopefully the trucks arrive. Oh, well, I've been sitting. I've been staring. Have you been sitting? Looking. It looks like I'm looking at you, Kathy. But actually, <laughs> the window behind you is the driveway where the truck will come in. So because I'm still sitting here means that the truck hasn't gotten here yet. Well, we had to sneak this in, you yeah. know. I mean, it's, it's been so busy. I mean, we're doing that if we have to. I actually cleaned my desk for you guys. I like it. Yeah. Really? Really. Wow. I found some interesting things there. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'd been a while. Well, hey, you got everything cleaned up, and we've had a great show. I'm, Kathy, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. For being on the winemakers, we've loved doing the podcast uh, for so long now. It seems like forever, but you know, I did, I've been doing the wine show on the radio for. Seven years, and we've been doing this for just over a year. And Which is uh, how I, I met was, Kathy. That's right. John's like, oh, you're friends with Kathy. How did you meet her? I was like, uh, your, your show, show John, <laughs> where you brought me in, and then you're like, oh, there's a guest on the line, and a book that I hadn't, I hadn't read. I was like, oh, let's, let's talk to her, sure. But uh, it's actually, I, I'm, um, I, it, and it, with, all, with all seriousness, um, I really appreciated the way that you covered what I was talking about during the fire um, to to bring it to a level where oh, the figuring the figuring is here. It's All right, here. Oh my God. it's here. It's I, here. I got serious. There was a tear yeah. in my eye, and then the taco <laughs> truck rolled by, and I don't care anymore. Um, no, but I, really, um, of all, I, I during that week I had. What if it wasn't you know because we're all burning down? It would have been like the publicist's dream. I talked to the, the New York Times, the Chronicle, the Wall Street Journal, uh, just this crazy list. But um, 
of all the coverage, um, what you wrote talking to you know it was Saturday. Uh, it was a week into it. The the news cycles had passed us by. It was a recovery story, um, but you had the sensitivity to know that it was still something we were in the middle of and an ongoing deal. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Namaste. Namaste. There you go. Well. All right. Is that uh, our first Sam pod- Winemakers podcast, Namaste? I think it might be. That's all okay. <gasps> that's, the uh-huh. that's the best. <laughs> uh, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna stop podcasting and go out and drink some wine and eat some tacos and have some fun this afternoon. Here's some great live music. Clifford Brown the third, grandson of the great late uh, Clifford Brown. Yeah. Holy moly. If there was ever a time to be on this podcast, it's today. Today's, today's the day. Today's the day. It's, Bobo, it's, today's the day. Bobo, thank you for coming on and being our guest. So Kathy, I came all the way from Belgium. Absolutely wonderful to uh, reconnect and, and make this happen. I'm so glad we got it done. Thank so you. Thanks Me again. Too. Me too. And thanks everybody for listening to The Winemakers. If you if you like it, uh, give us reviews. Please give subscribe. us subscribe. Yep. That's how we spread it to more people. Tell your friends uh, we got that you a, liked what you heard. And, and We got a nice one this week. Oh, we uh, did? Yeah, from uh, uh, Pat Carlin. And okay. uh, it was just like about Mike Benziger. You know, cool. if you're at all into yeah. wine, soil, Sonoma life, life in general. There's a lot to be learned here. It yeah. was a great podcast, and, cool. and this is the same one. I mean, it's a, these are podcasts you learn from, and having somebody like yourself on is, is you know, a joy for us. It really is. Thank you. It's been so, a pleasure. Yeah, and it's fun. You guys are fun. We're just like gonna to hang be. out. That's We're just gonna hang out. Yeah, that's what All we right. do. We hang out. We put microphones <laughs> in front of ourselves and see what happens. Sometimes it's good. Why not? <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. We are the winemakers. Thanks.